listening to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, all you gearheads and car fiends. Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your weekly automotive happy hour. I am Brett Hatfield here with our co-host and engineer extraordinaire, Mr. Mark Groves. That's me. We are coming to you from the Driven Radio Studios in our palatial subterranean location oh absolutely it's the bat cave it's fantastic isn't it all right first things first (laughs) (laughs) did you drive yourself all the way to st louis to look at that chrysler last week yes i did uh my my best buddy uh phil and uh, hats off to phil in columbia uh stopped in columbia picked up my buddy phil traded him for my wife and and kept driving on to into uh, st louis and looked at a 1968 Chrysler 300 convertible. The thing looked great in the pictures. It looked great in the pictures. Uh, it was an interesting experience for me because you know how I've I've just gone off about how much I love the big ones. You can play badminton on the hooch, da da da. And I won't kid you, kid you. The love is still there, but I think I like them better in pictures. Really? Because I I we pulled up to this place where they had it. It, it was a garage surprise, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it had a cover on it. The owners hadn't arrived yet. Super nice people. The, uh, Neil and Chris, thank you. Super nice. Either of them a preacher? No. Not and like I, that liar down yeah. in Arkansas? <laughs> no, that's... Uh, yeah, him too. But, uh, but uh, no, these guys were super great. And I pull off the cover on this thing, and it is this kind of like buttercream yellow yeah. that just stretches for a block and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, the the top was up, tops in decent condition, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they finally arrived. It took a while to get it started, but I sat in it. I walked all around it, looked in the trunk, popped the hood, looked at all that. And I am embarrassed to admit after all of this whining and bitching oh, and moaning for click. five, six years. It didn't click. It was boring. Crap. And that guy made me an offer I shouldn't refuse, but I'm like, I just. Well, you should have taken it. We could, well, have, we could have done something really heinous with it, like LS swapped it. Well, here's the, the funny thing about that was, I'm looking at this car and his dad had died and it was his dad's oh, car about a year and a half earlier. And these guys were all honest and they even dropped the price from the offer I'd made to even come and look at it. Because when I, when I first, when Wait, I finally talked to him about it. Under your offer? They came in under my offer. And we all know that I'm a bit of a, a low baller. Yeah. It was hard. It was Magoo. Took a look at it. And yeah, and I was like, somebody else is going to love this. It's got a black interior, in, which was in really good condition. When we finally got it started and rolling, it drove fine. It didn't have, you know, half a wheel of play in it, which it, I was expecting. It didn't screamingly pull into oncoming traffic <laughs> no, when you it, got on the brakes. No, the brakes were touchy because they'd added a, um, oh, what's it called? Power uh, booster. Yeah, power booster because it's uh, four wheel discs on this big behemoth. It just oh, didn't. Oh, Mark. Okay. So well. that's that's what happened. But I sent to Brett some uh, stuff that I found on Facebook. Oh, I know. And I'm telling you to buy all of it. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, a friend a friend who will enable you, <laughs> that's a good friend to well, have. Well, it's kind of like if my dad calls me and asks me about Corvette stuff, I'm going to say, yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely, yes, yes. And every time he does, I, I tell him, Dad... I know you want me to answer questions, but I'm going to be an enabler on Corvette crap. I don't yeah. care what it is. Buy it. 
buy that. Dad, you should buy that. That's awesome. Yeah, that resto mod that's going to go for <laughs> 80000 Yeah, buy that. Buy yeah, that. That one. That's a good uh, one. I had one that he and I watched all the way through uh, tail end of last week. I have more fun watching auctions with my dad online, and we watch them until they end, <laughs> and we'll watch two guys getting in a pissing match over it, and both of them want to prove that they want it more and that sort of stuff. Now, there was a yellow car that came up for me this week, and one I've been looking for. Yeah. Oh, I got the lusties. For 1980 or 1981, I forget which year, Chevrolet came out with a Corvette brochure that okay. shows a bright Corvette yellow from the back, and the wheels are cocked to the left, and it's kind of showing a partial three-quarter from the back, and it's got a blonde gal and a pair of black slacks and cool silk top standing next to it in heels and it's just oh i've got the i've got the poster upstairs i got two of them and i've wanted this car for a long long time 1980 81 or 82 bright yellow slotted aluminum mags on it they're polished and raised white letter tires with a tan interior and one of them went on bring a trailer this week 15 thousand original miles oh the 1981 with a four speed and a tan cloth and vinyl interior which is kind of a weird rare brag you know it's yeah. it's a it's a strange combo because they only offered the l48 that year it was 190 horsepower 180 190 horsepower four speed yellow tan slotted mags i mean it was everything but it had and it was original paint. It had never been repainted, but it had just a few too many flaws in the paint. Oh, yeah. And the sucker went cheap. It went for just a fuzz over 21. And I'm sitting there and I got the 21. I'm sitting there waiting to buy the thing. And damn it, my good no. judgment told me no. Oh, oh. I could have had all those primary color Corvettes in my in my garage, yeah. which would be the second time I've done it in my life. A red, yellow, well, and blue. Well, that's why you should have bought it, just for the color. Who cares well, if it's got it would, a little chips and crap in it? would have been first, second, and third generation, too. You could uh, you could take it over to our buds. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I was, I was ready to call Rick and say, hey, when can you get hey, me Hey, Rick in? Hunter, baby. Yeah. Oh, man. And then it, it, it went... And I'm uh, sitting there going, okay, well, that was probably the smart thing to do. You idiot! <laughs> Why? So, Why didn't I? Oh. Really, really wanted to do it. Didn't pull the trigger. Now, our guest this evening, her ah. dealership has an 81 Corvette in it. It's not yellow, but I know how, I know how to make it yellow. You call somebody <laughs> and do a rap on the sucker. We're, our special guest tonight is Marita Chirito Rodriguez Voiles. Maria is originally from Barranquilla, Colombia. Somebody needs to pat me on the back because I said that right. Uh, she earned degrees in journalism and economics before moving to the U.S. Chirito worked in the banking business in Oklahoma before embarking on a career in the collector car world. She is the owner of Iconic Motors in Oklahoma City, a dealership that specializes in classic, rare, and exotic vehicles. Chirito's big smile and bigger personality have made her a recognizable at collector car auctions all across the country. Chirito, welcome to Driven Radio. Thank you so much for having me. I did mess around and troll your website today because I was looking at all the Corvettes. That's always the first thing up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, you got a beige one, but I could wrap that sucker. <laughs> In a heartbeat. And we can 
change that in my play. Oh, yeah, in That's a hot no minute. Uh, I'm always in awe of people who leave the country in which they were born to take a chance somewhere else. That takes amazing guts. It's a very brave move. What drove you to leave Colombia and come to the United States? Well, actually, it was not my decision. My parents wanted me to go to school here in America so I can study English. Of course, I fell in love with the American culture. I was 19 years old when I came to this country. I was going to study English, and then I was going to go back to pursue my university studies in Colombia. Well, that never happened. After a lot of crying, my father agreed to let me stay here, and it's crazy. I've been in Oklahoma since then. I have never moved. I love this place. So when you came here, first you worked in the banking business, uh, something you were probably well suited for having studied economics. Uh, what spurred you to leave banking and pursue a life in the car world? Okay, well, I went to school here and I got my degree here. And I worked for Corporate America, worked for Bank of America, worked for Chase Bank. And it was basically pure accident. I mean, I have always loved cars, but I never had an intention of getting into the car world by any means, shape, or form. I had a dear friend of mine. He had like a little place that he rented. And he stored his car collection in there. And I had a little 1988, 1984 Ferrari 308. Ooh. And I had a little 1999 Ferrari. So we used to go there on weekends. And when the weather was nice, take the cars out, wash them, and mess with the car. And then people start, like, stopping by. Like, what do you have here? Do you have anything for sale? And all of a sudden, we started making a lot of noise. The location was perfect. It was on a high end, the best neighborhood in Oklahoma is called Nickel Hill. Mm -hmm. So the people coming in and asking like, hey, can you sell my car? Can you do this? Can you do that? Well, it was a prime, it was a prime location, but I didn't have a sign on this location to do any car business whatsoever. So we did that for a couple of years, and then we start kind of like selling cars for people or putting people together, and all of a sudden, it just got so busy. And I said, hey, we got something here, and shooting up, we brought a mechanic to work in our own cars, and then we start adding more cars, and... Um, about a year later, the place was so small, so we add, added a location in downtown Oklahoma, and we decided, hey, it's time to do something. Let's take it to another level. So I quit my job, and my husband had a construction company at that time, so he was working less in the construction company, and we decided to open a big location on Route 66, and they have nice. a bunch of car dealerships. So it was perfect, and we've been there since then. You know, one of the things I want to mention without getting too far off track, in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, Ferrari 308s and Ferrari 328s and Porsche 911s were considered exotic cars 
and they were truly exotic because they didn't make very many of them. With Lamborghinis now and Ferraris and McLarens, they make a ton of them. Everybody who's got enough money can go find one if they want to. You really used to have to search and work to get your hands on a 308. It was a big deal when you saw one. Um, well, tell, I'm going to tell you, I still have my 308. And it's so funny because to drive it, I have to put a phone book or a pillow because I'm sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a funny story that is a famous place in Oklahoma. Called, uh, it's a place that have been here for a million years. It's called... Um, it's a place where they only sell chicken. You can't make an appointment. You eat it with your hands. It's in Okarchi, and it's super famous. And one time I went over there, and they had a meeting with the Corvette Club. So this guy had a Corvette jacket, and I said, oh, my God, I love your jacket. And he goes, yes, I drive that 1968 Corvette. And I said, oh, my God, it's so beautiful. I saw it, I, I parked next to you, and he's like, you are, what are you driving? And I'm like, I'm driving that little Ferrari 308, and his eyes were like <laughs> wide open. It was hilarious. <laughs> all right, first of all, she's not joking about the seats in a 308. I dated a girl. <laughs> I, I was engaged to her for like a minute, whose father, had. He, he was a dentist, and he had a 308 as a daily driver, at least when the weather was nice. And the seats on those are so scooped out and your knees are a lot higher than your butt. It's, it's tough to see out of one if you're not tall. So uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, B, I'm not going to tell you about my Corvettes. <laughs> Did you have exposure to collector cars in Columbia before you moved here? Um, what was, and what was your first memorable car experience? Well, I'm going to tell you, when I was growing up, my dad and my brothers, they loved cars. They were not really into cars. But my next-door neighbors, they had four boys, and they were like car nuts. So they were like the coolest kids in town. They were always making a lot of noise. So I was fascinated. And they had like a 1974 Porsche Carrera and in Barrington. Colombia, my hometown, they didn't have that many of them. So I dreamed with a Porsche. I'm like, oh, my God, that's the most beautiful car. So when I moved to the United States, I was like in heaven seeing all those little machines all over the place. But, I mean, I really never thought that I was going to get involved in the car industry, never in a million years. So what was your first memorable car experience? My roommate, when I came to America, she had a, a little Porsche. Her parents had a little Porsche convertible. And for me to go out with her and ride in that car, it was like, oh, my God, it was like a dream come true. Because, first of all, they, I mean, we didn't have any ac access to fancy cars in Colombia. But... um when I got into the car business, I always have a love for Land Rovers. Oh, My dad no. was in the cattle business, so we had Land Rovers and Toyotas. That's all that my family drove. So when I had the opportunity to bring a car, to import a car from Colombia, my first thought is I got to bring a couple of Land Rovers. 
And I did. And I found a guy online that I've been talking to for some time about his car. And I said, hey, can you sell me your car? And he thought that it was a joke. So I found a 1972 Land Rover for sale in Bogota. I fell in love with this car. It was yellow. And I brought it to to Oklahoma. And to drive that car on the streets in America was the biggest joy of my life. Yellow Land Rover. Was it a camel trophy truck? Yes. (laughs) Pretty much. But I'm going to tell you what is funny. This is so beautiful. Like, I feel so blessed. I, they do a lot of movies in Oklahoma and I rent a lot of car for movies and I rented this car to a movie production. They were doing um, a movie called I Can Only Imagine. And I'm not kidding you. This car was the featured car on the commercials. Wow. I was in disbelief when I saw this car on the big screen and like, who would have thought someone in Colombia We'll have a car hitting the United States in a movie. It was just epic. <laughs> I, I, I cannot even tell you how excited I was to have this car in Colombia. This car was, this is the only car that I regret selling. Because when I went to Colombia to buy that car, I got on an airplane and I went over there by myself. And the guy, he's an engineer. And actually, we, we have become really good friends. He did a phenomenal job restoring this car. And he sent a driver to pick me up. And the driver thought that I was going to come with a man. And he's like, okay, how many people? And I'm like, just me. So when I show up to the guy, he's in oil and gas. When I show up over there, he thought that it was me. He was in deep belief. His wife is like, you came all the way from the United States to buy this car because I was obsessed with this car. And God is so wonderful that I got to see it on a big screen. Nice. So how does the car culture in Colombia differ from the car culture here? Well, it's a lot different. You have to understand we're a third world country. So, you know, we don't have the ability to have the cars that we have um, here. In Colombia, only the wealthy people can afford a supercar or they have a collector car. But um, Colombia prefers cars that are original. Like, for instance, there's plenty of Toyotas, FJ, and large cruisers. Um, You see a lot of them that they're shipping them to the United States. Like the FJ, they came to Colombia in 1960, and they're everywhere. So we have a lot of Nissan patrols and Fords and Land Rovers are everywhere. And, of course, the iconic Jeep Willie. We had so many of those because that's what people were using, you know, in coffee in the mountains. So what they're doing right now, they're taking, uh, you know, the Jeepsters, the Kaisers and a lot of Suzuki. And they're doing a lot of off-road. It's a new trend. They have a lot of off-road competition. But, you know, we have classic cars parade. We have big, we have beautiful cars in Medellin, Colombia. And you have to understand that in the drug cartel, they brought a lot of British cars and a lot of high-end cars. We have another event that is kind of like the SEMA, is the NC show. It's a four-day event, and they have muscle cars, classic cars. And that's held in January for four, 
four days and actually it's becoming one of the biggest events in Latin America. But everything we have is an American influence. You're frequently spotted at Mecham events and Barrett Jackson events. Do you spend most of your time at those networking or are you working for clients and your business? Are you, you know, buying and selling love, cars? I would love to be going just to network. I go there <laughs> to work. I work hard. It's so funny because I just run into J- Kay Jackson in New Orleans and she was telling me, you bring so much energy. You should be like a brand ambassador for Jared, for Barry Jackson. And I was delighted, but I go there to work. I take cars, I buy cars. And of course, I love interacting with car people like me. Um, I get a lot of great opportunities because every time I go, it's like you get to meet more people. Like if people are looking for something, I know who has this card. And that's what I do. Like right now, I have a guy that just sent me a Corvette, a, a 2023 C06 that um, is, he's selling. And I know a guy that is buying one. And actually, I run into the guy at Barry Jackson and I got that deal going on. So, you know, if I can go to a car event and explore new opportunities, I'm happy. But when I go there, I go there to do my business, to buy and sell cars. Right. Do you prefer live car auctions or online and why? Well, I must tell you, for me, sitting in front of a computer might work for some people, but it's not my thing. And for me, it's like I have to go to a live auction because there's so many possibilities. I mean, well, there's nothing like being in the room. Oh, my God. The adrenaline, seeing all this, all the cars. I mean, you get to touch them, you get to engage with people like you, you exchange information. There's nothing like seeing the car, the car in person. I'm sorry. You know, you get yeah. to open the hood, you check every detail and you know who has a car, like, hey, this car belongs to somebody. So if they know that it's my car, they come and talk to me and then I, I give them all the information. So for me, live auctions is the best way to go if nothing else you get to smell what's going on in the car you can smell the leather interior you can smell if it's got crummy old gas in it you can smell everything and that's that's something you don't get online you don't get the feel and the touch you don't get to see the way the light plays off the paint you just don't get all that good stuff you know uh, we were talking I was talking earlier about uh, uh, my experience with that car, yeah, and it was exactly that. I've looked at them online, left, right, up, and down, and and saved so many sixty eight. Nothing beats being there. But when I got to it in person, I'm like, oh, this would have been really disappointing had I just bought it and let it let a big old truck roll up and, and have it roll off, and then it it shows up in your driveway, and you're like, ah, oh, oh, <laughs> that in person thing is so important. You are dead right. And, you know, it happened often. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And even though, I mean, it's inexpensive compared to going to a live auction, a lot of people sit in a computer. But, you know, you're never going to see someone buying a, you know, a 1958 Chevrolet Corvette for $660,000 just sitting in front <sighs> no, of No, I saw that car yeah, in front of the computer. Oh, my God. Was stunning. <laughs> hey, speaking of live auctions, during COVID, if you'll remember, Barrett Jackson did one in October in Scottsdale. 
Except I was there. Didn't it wasn't that weird and eerie how empty it was and nobody was you almost expected to see a tumbleweed come blowing <laughs> by. It was so strange not to see anyone there. And all the all the the guards, the uh the security guys they had working there who didn't want you to touch the car because you might spread germs. Well, I, and it was like the police, you know, put your mask on, don't touch this. They had sanitizers everywhere. Well, yeah. It was so crazy. Well, and I can't believe we survived. Well, and I, <laughs> I, I, I'm an auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, and they say you can't touch it. Well, how the hell am I going to shoot the interior then? <laughs> oh, that, you know, you're not going to follow me around all day and open the door on 50 cars. Just let me do my job. <laughs> uh, it was uh, that auction is probably the strangest auction I've ever been to. And, you know, Barrett Jackson, you're used to seeing probably three or four hundred thousand people there over the course of a week. And the days I was there for that October auction, was it like two thousand people total? Maybe it was, wow. it was a different vibe. I felt like I was in another world. It was very Twilight Zone. It was weird. <laughs> it was super weird. I, I wanted to find somebody else who'd been there, and that, that's cool that you were, because it was there. just so it was odd. Weird. I agree. So tell us about your dealership. Tell us about Iconic Motors. Who are your customers and your clients? What do you specialize in, aside from core hats, and what <laughs> services do you offer through your dealership? Well, you're going to love this, but what I love the most and what I sell the most are Chevrolet Corvettes. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, I love Corvettes. That's what we sell the most. You know, we can sell something from an entry level to a high quality Corvette. We buy, we sell, we do consignments, and we also do full restorations. Um. 80% of my customers are people that buy cars out of Oklahoma. But I also deal with a lot of classic trucks, you know, American love trucks, and yeah. I'm close to Texas. So oh. I get a lot of Corvettes is my number one, and I get a lot of classic trucks. So um, we have a full restoration facility. We do paint. We do everything in-house. Oh. We have a traffic we're located on route 66 and we're actually i think we're the only company in oklahoma that does both restoration and we sell you know we have our dealership we stay super busy we have people coming all the time like on saturdays it looked like a freaking car show when the weather is nice <laughs> we were selling a lot of high-end cars and after covid we decided to diversify, so we do a lot of Mercedes and a lot of European cars and entry-level entry cars, but our main thing is just classic cars. What challenges so, do you think women face in the collector car world today, and do you think that that, that industry needs to make changes to encourage more women to become involved? I do. I mean, you know, we can't deny it. We're a minority in the auto industry, but this should not stop you. I don't need to prove myself. However, I just let my business, my work, and my customers validate what we do, you know, with integrity, with passion. We bring a lot of energy. And I mean, 
if you look at 10 years ago, I mean, we have made a lot of progress. There are so many women in leadership roles, but there's still work to be done to achieve better results. But there's so many opportunities in, you know, engineering, marketing, management, sales. What I would like to do is what I think we should do to be able to attract more females in the industry is we need to show what we do. We need to train. We need to educate. Um, I think, you know, there's so many good things happening right now. I see more females and more diversity now than never before, but we just got to work. Like one thing that for me that I encountered a lot is like people look at my pictures and they're like, oh my God, I want to do what you do. And I said, well, have you ever tried to find a job in the industry? Like one of my dear friends called me and she's like, I don't know what to do. She has a master's degree. And I said, well, Sotheby's is looking for a position in the marketing department. And she called me. She's like, oh my God, I got interviewed. She goes, never in a million years, I thought someone like me will get a job in the car industry. So a lot of people don't know or they're intimidated. And I think we just got to make, you know, we just got to make an effort to educate. I'm, I'm very blessed because through my media platform, I get a lot of young people asking me questions like, you know, what should I do? Where should I go? So I try to do my best, but there's so many opportunities. It's incredible. We just we just got to make sure. And, and, you know, a lot of companies are doing a great job um, trying to bring talent on board. And the opportunities are there. We just got to make sure that people know about it. I agree wholeheartedly. The market is in a bit of a cooling trend right now, but it's been so hot for so long it almost had to. You can't just stay white hot perpetually. What what do you think will remain a solid investment in the coming months? And where do you think the market will go in the next couple of years? Well, I'm going to tell you, we're always going to have classic cars. You know, classic cars um, are always going to be there. New generation, perhaps the classic cars for then is not going to be what they were working with their father and the grandfather, but they're going to be fascinated. Like, what was my father driving? I want to be able to have the car that my father drove. And right now, you know, the market is always going to go up and down with everything else. What I think, what I see right now is muscle cars. And I see that going to different auctions. Muscle cars are super hot. Like, People want to get their hands on them. And I've seen this, you know, the new generation, the older generation is selling so many collections. But I see, you know, the, the millennials, they're increasing their interest. And a lot of young drivers, the one that sleek sport designs and powerful engines. And I see the muscle cars are, are pretty strong right now. They're always going to be there, but it's a limited market. I mean, how many people can afford to buy all exactly. this crazy? Exactly. Uh, you know, and you don't, uh, with, with very few exceptions, uh, I know a couple guys here in town, you don't see people who own more than one supercar. 
I went to Pebble Beach. I mean, they had some incredible cars, but I mean, how many people can afford one of those cars? I mean, what's the population that can afford supercars? No, that's why my favorite thing at Pe- at uh, Monterey is Concord de Lemons. <laughs> lemons is the best thing that happens during all of Car Week in Monterey because that's crap everybody can do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was sitting in front of a guy at Sotheby's in Monterey, mm-hmm. and I had 50 Ferraris, and I'm like asking his friend, what do you guys do? Do, well, you think that's, own- do you think that's the guy that bought the... Uh, the 250 California after it rolled off the stage? No, this guy was selling. He wasn't buying. And okay. Was, he was lowering the price because he's like, I'm getting old. I don't need that many cars. And I, I was in shock. And I said, do you have 50 Ferraris? And he's like, yes, but, you know. If you own no, 50 Ferraris, you're like, not worried like about making your mortgage payment. You got money. <laughs> he needs you're not two worried more. about that. Uh, yeah, right. Two more so he you know, can drive one per week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> that's, just, that's just something that you don't see regular people like us no. doing. No. no. <laughs> uh, well, you know, there are guys that, that think that. I'm a weirdo because I've got the stuff I got in my garage. No. Most of that has two wheels on it. We've been speaking with Maria Chirito Rodriguez-Voyles of Iconic Motors in Oklahoma City. Maria, please tell us where we can find you online and on social media. Absolutely. You can find my website, iconicmotors.us. I'm on Instagram under Shadi Boyles. I'm also on Facebook under iconicmotors.us and pretty much everywhere these days. Google, Lincoln, and they can find me. I work really hard to find whatever car you're looking for. The very best thing you can do is go to her website. It is loaded with cool stuff they've got for sale and cool stuff they have sold. I it took me all of thirty seconds to find a Corvette. I was looking at thinking, <laughs> <laughs> you need to buy that. The price is right. The miles are low, uh-huh. and somebody might be able to shoot it yellow for me. By oh, God, <laughs> so easily. <laughs> just saying, just putting that out there. Sharita, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for having it, and I'm sure we'll see you guys soon. Well, she's fun. She's fun. It's super nice. She really is. Again, uh, the very first thing I said to her right out of the gate was, I am in awe of the guts it takes to leave the country you were born in yeah, and go someplace else and make a life for yourself. And not only has she made a life for herself, but she's really succeeding. She's doing a fantastic job. And this is a guy-dominated industry. Yeah. So if you're a woman, it's tough enough if you start off here. But to come from Colombia and then come here and make your way in this, that's really impressive stuff. Well, that and to go from Colombia to Oklahoma, uh, love you, Oklahoma, but I've driven nah. through it so many times and <laughs> <sighs> probably not my favorite stretch of nah, 35, just, I'll just tell you, straight hey, off the they bat. They finally bumped their <laughs> speed limit up to 70. I, I know it's like magic because for a yeah, long time, but you only get time, to go seventy for four miles before you hit another. Yeah, 35 but for a long zone. time, 
you come out of Kansas, you're doing 75, and then it was 65 all the way through Oklahoma, <laughs> and then you get to Texas, and they say, oh, hell, boy, just go as fast as you can. What is it, Lake you follow that just won't stop? Oh, you're man. driving forever, and you're always near this brown water. You're like, what the hell? Stop. Give I, me something else to look at. I always know I can speed up when I see that casino at the southern <laughs> end of Oklahoma. You're not wrong. You're like, once I make it past these lights, I can really go fast. <laughs> yeah, you, you get past uh, Oklahoma City, basically. And then you go through Atoka, 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 and then there's Texas. It's what is that big ass casino? Um, um, Gary and Muffy Bennett, yeah. uh, and and I, I think it's Spanky Astor's uh, auction company does a sale there once or twice a year, and it's this gigantic casino right at the Oklahoma Texas line. Yeah, huh? And as you're as you're driving <laughs> south. It's over on the left-hand side. Man, it's just lights. I, I would love to see the kilowatt-hour meter on that thing. <laughs> it probably spins fast enough. You could hook it to a plane. It should be making its own yeah, energy. Just <laughs> take right off. <laughs> you are not wrong. Yeah, way to stay on track, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And I am posting on Instagram now. Look at you. And on LinkedIn as Driven Radio Show Podcast. If you have a story you would like to tell or someone you would like us to interview, feel free to contact me at brett at drivenradioshow.com. Had a guy named Myron Vernus contact me this week. Hey, Myron. Uh, Myron and uh, his co-author, Mark, have, you can't believe this, this, it's not one book, it's four, and then a supplemental thing that comes in this giant box set about Japanese cars, collectible Japanese cars, sports cars, and history of. And Myron is sending me a copy of this. We're going to have him on a show really soon after I get a chance to chew through 1,100 pages. Oh, my God. Yeah, no kidding. On Japanese collectibles? They they wrote an encyclopedia about Japanese car stuff. I can't wait to get my hands on it. And when we do... We're going to have our resident JDM guy. We're going to have Corey come back and tell oh, us all about Corey! it. I already talked From to Craving Corey. Cars. He says he is on board. In the meantime, oh, check awesome. out Craving Cars. He does great stuff over there. Anyway, Myron Vernus, Corey, we're going to have everybody on and talk about their, uh, their fantastic book that he's sending me. And like I said, if you got a story you'd like to tell or someone you would like us to interview, contact me at brett at drivenradioshow.com. I am Brett Hatfield for Mark L. Groves. Yep. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Mm-hmm.